0: Good to have each one back tonight and to have another opportunity this evening to be able to open God's Word and to listen to it and let it instruct us in how we ought to live. We are still continuing in a series of lessons on favorite Bible passages. And the passages that we have been studying on Sunday evenings for the past several weeks have been those that have been submitted by others. Uh, who have said, this is a passage that is a favorite to me, and I wish that you would preach on it. And I will tell you that of all the Old Testament prophets, and there are some that I have a tremendous appreciation for, Jeremiah is my personal favorite, and so I enjoy the privilege tonight of preaching on chapter 12 and verse 5. By way of introduction, I'd like to ask a question. Do you ever feel sorry for yourself? And I would imagine, if you're normal, you would probably say, yes, I have, or yes, I do. Now then, the question that follows up from that, has someone ever given you a dose of reality as a means of picking you up? Now, I think you know what I mean by a dose of reality. Someone was direct enough with you to try to make you think about why you were feeling sorry for yourself and even to some degree make you feel a little bit ashamed for what you have just expressed. One of the responses that I have heard, maybe directed toward me, do you think you're the only one to have encountered problems? Do you think, for instance, you may be the only one who has ever had someone say something unkind to you? Do you think that you're the only one who has ever experienced rejection? Do you think you're the only one who has ever faced this or that? And then in reality you realize, no, I'm not special. I'm not unique. I have faced difficulties that others have faced. Well, Jeremiah 12 and verse 5 is a passage that is in the context of a very rich section of Jeremiah's prophecy. And for us to be able to appreciate what is said in chapter 12, we've got to really back up to chapter 11. And so tonight there are going to be four points in our lesson. The first one will be to look at verses 1 through 14 of chapter 11. We're not going to read every verse. But look at the covenant that was broken. God had a covenant with Israel, and Israel broke that covenant. From that developed conflict. Conflict with Jeremiah as the prophet of God who tells these people, You've broken the covenant. From that conflict, from Jeremiah arose a complaint against God. In chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, God, why did you put me in this place? These people are are after me. And then God's correction is found in chapter 12, in verse 5. So if you will, I encourage you to open your Bibles, and let's begin with chapter 11, and let's look at this first part about the covenant being broken. I will tell you that Jeremiah later, in Jeremiah 31, when he's looking forward to the coming of the new covenant, what we call the New Testament, and why it was important and why it was needed and why the children of Israel specifically needed a better covenant, he said to them in verse 31, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke. You see, from the very beginning at Mount Sinai, when God gave the covenant to the children of Israel, it seems from that point forward, they did not live in harmony with it. In fact, those generation of people who had come out of Egypt, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, died in that wilderness wandering, that 40-year time span. Once they went in and settled the land, yes, there were some good men who stood up, but as a whole, the children of Israel were on a roller coaster. The book of Judges is a book that shows the rise of the people and then as they began to be sort of comfortable and uh, satisfied, they would go down to the depths of sin. There are people who have constantly violated this covenant. And so as we begin... In chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, Jeremiah is told to say to them. One translation puts it even a little more direct. says, tell them that they have broken my covenant. Let's look at verses 1 through 5. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Hear the words of this covenant, and speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And say to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Cursed is the man who does not obey the words of this covenant, which I commanded your fathers in the day which I brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice, and do according to all that I command you, so you will be my people. And I will be your God, that I may establish the oath which I have sworn to your fathers, to give them a land flowing milk and honey as it is this day. And I answered and said, so be it, Lord. God gave Jeremiah the job to go tell the people, you have been covenant breakers. And the last thing that he says, so be it, Lord, I will do that. I will carry your message to them and tell them they have broken your covenant. But when he tells them that, he has to say that when you break God's covenant, you get the curses that go along with the covenant as well. I want you to notice with me, if you will, just four chosen verses out of this section. Verse 3 again Cursed is the man who does not obey the words of this covenant. Verse 6. The Lord said to me, Proclaim all these words to the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem and say to them, Hear the words of this covenant. Verse 8. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone followed the dictates of his evil heart. Therefore I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant. In fact, I really wish here, I just underlined, bring upon them all the words of this covenant. You see, contained within this were curses. Curses that if a person did not follow the covenant, that there were going to be consequences that would follow. Verse 10 They have turned back to the iniquity of their forefathers who refused to hear my words and they've gone after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel, the house of Judah, have broken my covenant which I made with their fathers. I think you see the picture. But if you read about that, then you've got to go back to Deuteronomy and see the consequences, the curses that were pronounced upon those people who broke that covenant. Very simply, he says, But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all the, his commandments and his statutes which I command you this day, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Now, notice the way he phrases it. Cursed you shall be in the city, and cursed you shall be in the country. Cursed shall be your basket. And your kneading bowl, cursed be shall be the fruit of your body, and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flock. Cursed be you when you come in, and cursed you shall be when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke, and all that you set your hands to do, until you are destroyed, and until you perish quickly, because of the wickedness of your doings, because you have forsaken me. You see, God had said, You're going to be cursed. Every direction you turn, it's going to be bad if you refuse to hold to the covenant. Israel needs to understand that message. And so you have Jeremiah declaring to God's people the curses of the covenant. And here's the way he ends it in verse 14. He says, so do not pray for this people or lift up cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in time of their trouble when they cry out to me because of their trouble. You see, the trouble is the result of their breaking the covenant. And God said, as long as these are a rebellious people, I will not listen to their cry. Now with that in mind, that leads us to the second part, and that is conflict. When Jeremiah had to go deliver this message, there were people who did not like what he had to say. Today we hear a lot about the successful type of preaching. The successful type of preaching that many people want is one that has an exclusively positive message. One where you do not condemn any type of behavior. You look at people like Joel Osteen, I wondered this last week, When they found out somebody stole thousands of dollars from him, how he was going to put a positive spin on that one. But you see, there are people who believe that everything ought to be positive, but now that's not the way Jeremiah was instructed to deliver the message. What happened was, when the people heard what he had to say, they started plotting his hurt and his death. Notice with me, verses 18 through 23 of chapter 11. Now the Lord gave me knowledge of it, and I know it, for he or you showed me their doings. But I was like a docile lamb brought to the slaughter. And I did not know the, that they had devised schemes against me, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name may be remembered no more. But, O Lord of hosts, you who judge righteously, testing the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you have I revealed my cause. Jeremiah is looking and saying, God, I didn't know about this, but you showed me. You revealed to me their words that brought about this conflict. In fact, if you continue on, He says, Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the men of Anathoth, who seek your life, saying, Do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, lest you die by our hand. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts Behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword, and their sons and their daughters shall die by famine. There shall be no remnant of them, for I will bring a catastrophe upon the men of Anathoth, even the year of their punishment. Anathoth was Jeremiah's hometown. This is where a prophet was rejected in his hometown because he preached the truth. Anytime that a man stands forth and preaches the whole counsel of God, it will create conflict. It cannot help but create conflict. Because as men's lives are not in harmony with the word of God, now not everybody is going to do what these men did to plot Jeremiah's death or to plot our death. But it will create conflict. If you go to chapter 26, verse 11, chapter 38, verse 4, you will see this conflict did not end here. In chapter 26, and the priest and the prophet spoke to the princes and to all the people saying, This man deserves to die. For he has prophesied against the city as we, you have heard with your ears. Chapter 38 verse 4. Please let this man be put to death for he weakens the hands of the men of the war. In their mind, Jeremiah needed to die. He was a naysayer. He was a discourager, if you will. But that's not really Jeremiah. He's not a discourager. He has told them that God has said, Repent or this city will be destroyed. Repent or you will be taken captive. And their idea was, We don't want to repent and we don't want to go to captive. Preaching causes the conflict. Now, I've had people say some ugly things. But folks, I have never... Experienced anything like to what Jeremiah faced. When you go to chapter 20, a very interesting passage. The first part of the chapter starts with one of the nemesis that Jeremiah had to face, a man by the name of Pasher. It says he was the priest who was the chief governor of the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesy these things. Then Pasher struck Jeremiah the prophet put him in the stocks which were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. Here's a man who came up and hit him. And not only did he hit him, he carried him to the this high gate which is real near the house of the Lord. Then he puts him in stocks. He wants to humiliate him. If you drop down with me to verse 7, O oh Lord, you induced me. And I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out and sh- shouted, violence and plunder. Because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision Daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back. I could not contain, for I heard many mockings, fear on every side, report, they say, and we'll report it. All my acquaintances watched for my stumbling, saying perhaps he could be induced. Then we'll prevail against him. And we'll take our revenge on him. Can you imagine the conflict every day of somebody looking for you to stumble, to fall? In fact, not only doing that, perhaps he can be induced. It's almost like the word seduced, but induced, it means we we push somebody and we, we make them do something that they wouldn't otherwise do. Maybe we can... Push Jeremiah just a little bit harder. Now, from that comes the third part of our lesson, and that's Jeremiah's complaint. What Jeremiah did was to look around about him and see these people who were working against God, who were rejecting His will, who had broken His covenant. And they appeared to have the upper hand. Here he was trying to be faithful to God, and he was suffering because of it. If you will notice with me, Jeremiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, this is leading up to our key passage. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you, yet let me talk with you about your judgments. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? You have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they, are, they bear fruit. You are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. But you, O oh Lord, know me. You have seen me. You have tested my heart toward you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn and the herbs of the field wither, or every field wither? The beasts and the birds are consumed for the wickedness of those who dwell there because they say, He will not see our final end. Do you hear Jeremiah's complaint before God? God, why are you letting these people prosper? Why does the way of the wicked prosper? I don't understand it. I don't grasp it. God, why don't you just take them like you pick out certain sheep for the slaughter, pull them out. Why do the rest of us have to suffer? I thought when I read this, it reminded me a lot of being a child in a classroom. I don't know if any of you ever experienced this or not. teacher walks in the room and says, I tell you what, if somebody stands up and causes trouble anymore today, none of you are going to go to recess. And you know what? There's always some joker in the class who caused trouble that created problems for the rest of us We all had to suffer because of that. Jeremiah is saying, God, why don't you just pick them out and not cause the rest of the land to suffer? He said, even the birds and the beasts, the land is suffering because of them. He's pleading with God for justice. But he's not the only one who's done that. Habakkuk, Habakkuk 1, 3 and 4, talks about the violence, the plundering, He says in verse 4, therefore the law is powerless, justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds, drop down to verse 13, your eyes are purer than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he? God, I don't understand. Why is it that the wicked people seem to be doing okay and those who are righteous are not? Why don't why do you hold your tongue? In Jeremiah's case and in Habakkuk's case, they're putting the burden on God. Then you go to the Psalm 73. Oh, this is one of my favorite passages. But I can't take the whole chapter. I just want to take What Asaph has said in verses 3 and 4 and 12. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They're doing well, God. Verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. And he goes on to say that they said God's not going to do anything. God, why don't you step up and take care of these people? Job had the same problem. In Job chapter 21, verse 7 through 9, Why do the wicked live and become old? Yes, become mighty in power. Their descendants are established with them in their sight, and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear. Neither is the rod of God upon them, dropping to verse 14, Yet they say to God, depart from us, for we do not desire the knowledge of your ways. Who is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And what profit do we have if we pray to Him? Okay, now I'm starting to see a pattern. I'm seeing Jeremiah. I'm seeing Habakkuk. I'm seeing Asaph. I'm seeing here Job all questioning the world in which we live and the injustice that is here and why doesn't God do something about it now? Have you ever had that same kind of complaint? Do we complain that everyone seems to have it better than we do? Particularly the bad people. Now all of that was to lead up to the final point found in verse... Well, there's one more. I, I'm just going to briefly run all this because I'm running out of time. God says, be careful. Job, be careful what you're saying. Solomon, be careful for that which you wish. Now I'm going to move on to the correction of chapter 12, verse 5. Within it is a warning and an encouragement. If you have run with footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you have trusted they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of Jordan? The first part of that verse has a military metaphor, an illustration that we can understand. He talks first of all about footmen. Now in an army you have people who are foot soldiers. That is, they move by foot, they march from this place to that place. And he's talking about if footmen have wearied you, you've come up against a man who is opposing you and you have been wearied by him, he said, then how will you deal with horses or horsemen? You see, this refers to the riding soldiers. Now Isaiah 31, verse 1. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses because who trust in chariots because there are many And horsemen, because they are very strong, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. You see the horsemen are those who are much, much faster. Or Jeremiah 46, 4. Harness the horses and mount up, you horsemen. Stand forth with your helmets. Polish your spears. Put on your armor. If you've run up against a horseman and they've wearied you, what are you going to do When you encounter someone who's on a horse, obviously you're not going to be able to stand it. Struggling with horsemen doesn't bode well for facing horsemen. I do want to mention an illustration. Sometimes if you use a more modern illustration, it helps you. Several years ago, I went with four of our brethren here to play golf and cook. Since they were the four, they decided they were going to ride, and I decided I wasn't going to pay for a cart by myself, so I was going to walk. I thought it's pretty good for the first two or three holes. Then after that, I found myself exhausted trying to chase on foot guys who were riding in carts. You don't believe that. You try playing along. Several holes of golf and trying to keep up people people riding in carts. And you know, I thought about this verse when preparing for this lesson. If you can't keep up with those who are walking, how are you going to keep up with those who are riding? The truth is you're not going to be able to keep up with them. Then a second, he's using a weather metaphor. He says, if in a land of peace, the word peace there's the Hebrew word shalom, That's the normal Hebrew greeting. When you speak to someone, like we say hello, they say shalom, which means peace or safety or good welfare. If in a land of peace, a land of good welfare, and he says, but what would you do in the swelling of the Jordan? The swelling of the Jordan refers to the time of danger when that river would overflow its banks And it would take those wild animals that were normally in that wilderness area and push them into the inhabited areas. You In Jeremiah 50 verse 44, he said, He shall come up like a lion from the flood plain of Jordan against the dwelling place of the strong. The idea is these animals being driven out. If you're in a land of peace, when things are relatively good, and you're having trouble then, what are you gonna do when things become really tough? Another illustration. Not many people use this illustration as they used to, especially when I was a child. I've heard people talk about the economy being bad. You know, it's hard to find a job. People are not paying very well and we're struggling to get by and I've seen my grandfather and others who lived through the depression said you know you're you're saying you're having a tough time what would you do if a depression came you say I'm having a hard time keeping up with my bills I can't hardly pay for my cell phone and my satellite bill and my what would you do if a real depression came Here's the the force of Hebrews chapter, or excuse me, Jeremiah chapter twelve, verse five. Jeremiah, you've been feeling sorry for yourself because you've been doing my job. You've been telling these people, and you you've raised your complaint to me. But Jeremiah, you need to realize it can be even worse. Jeremiah started out such an idealistic prophet. As we pull this all together, I want you to go back with me to chapter 5. I can't skip this part because it really fits in well with the lesson. He says, Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. See now and know and seek in her open places. If you can find a man, if if there's anyone who executes judgment, who seeks the truth, and I will pardon her. Though they say, as the Lord lives, surely they swear falsely. O oh Lord, you are not, are not your eyes on the truth. You have stricken them, but they were not grieved. You have consumed them, but they refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to return. Now I want you to notice how Jeremiah looks. Therefore I said, surely these are Poor. They are foolish for they do not know the way of the Lord, the judgment of their God. So here's his solution. I will go to the great men and speak to them for they have known the way of the Lord, the judgments of their God. But these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. They have lied about the Lord and said, Is it not he, neither will evil come upon us, nor shall we see sword or famine. And the prophets become wind, for the word is not in them. Thus it shall be done to them. Jeremiah began began his work idealistically. All I need to do is just go to the right people, say the right message, and everybody's going to turn from their wickedness. And then he said, but they didn't, they lied. Reality is often harder than imagined. I can tell you what just about every young man who goes to school to train to preach the gospel finds out. You sit in class and they provide for you the Word of God and they provide to you the obligation that is set before you. Then you have an opportunity to go and declare God's message. And then you realize you're dealing with real people. People that sometimes listen and sometimes don't. Some people who love God and want to serve Him, and there's some people who could care less what God's Word has to say. Reality sometimes is much harder than is imagined. Well, how do I get through it? If I've been wearied by footmen, what am I going to do with the horses? If in a land of peace I've had trouble and I've been wearied there, what am I going to do with the swelling of Jordan? Jeremiah eight, and verse 19. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. They will fight against you, but they will not prevail against you, for I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. I ought to be thankful that I know that God is there with me as I attempt to try to serve Him and do His will. If you'll get your song books now, we'll sing this song of encouragement. If you're here tonight and you are not a Christian, perhaps it's been going through your mind, I need to repent of my sins, confess my faith in Christ, and be baptized, we'd love to assist you in your obedience to the gospel tonight. It may be that you're a child of God struggling with sin in your life and you know that it needs to be confessed to the God of heaven and you know that you need to make a correction. We encourage you to respond as together we stand and sing.